welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Betelgeuse, the upper left star in the constellation Orion, became significantly dimmer recently. Astronomers believe it will explode soon as one of the brightest supernovas ever seen from Earth, where soon means about 100,000 years. Lead teacher Jeff Norris brings us this sermon entitled Easter, Darkness to Light, which covers Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. As I think about searching for truth, that's a lot of what I want to share with you this morning from the Word on this Easter Sunday as we think about what is truth in these trying times. So let me pray for us, and then let's go to God's Word to see what he has for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to yet again gather in an unconventional way, but gather to lock arms and hearts and minds, so to speak, through uh, modern technology and to come before you, O Lord, and to declare to you that we need you. We need you, O Father. Would you speak to us this morning? Would you reveal yourself to be uh, the very thing that we need, that we so desire, is found in you, Jesus. So Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? And oh Lord, I pray that you would use me as your servant, simply as your mouthpiece to communicate your truth and to reveal your, your beauty. So Father, we ask and we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus, amen. When I was a kid, uh, when I was fairly young, I suffered from something that was called um, night terrors. And uh, let me just read to you the definition of, of what a night terror is. Uh, some of you may have dealt with this in your own life. Uh, it says this, night terrors are episodes of screaming, intense fear, and flailing while, and here's the key, while remaining asleep. Scientifically speaking, someone who is having a night terror experiences an activation of his or her fight or flight system. And so when I was young, uh, oftentimes these are, these are brought on by some um, traumatic event that, that happens in the night. And then your brain reacts in a way to where anytime you sleep there going forward, this is how it affected me, anytime you sleep going forward, not in your own bed, uh, your brain thinks that that, that traumatic event is going to happen again. And so you move into this place of terror. And so for me, that happened when I was uh, in Springfield, Illinois with my family, visiting some family friends. And I was sleeping in this bunk bed on the top bunk. And uh, this bunk did not have a railing because it's the 80s and we, we didn't care as much about safety back then. And in the middle of the night in this completely dark house, I fell off the top bunk. And as I fell and hit the floor, I began to scream in terror. And uh, my mom and dad have told me over the years that what began to happen is that because they were in a house that they were not familiar with, it was a pitch black house. They couldn't find the light switches. And so I, I screamed for quite a while before they were able to get to me. And this had, this had an effect on me. And so from there on out, anytime in the dark, when I wasn't in my own bed, I would scream in terror at some point in the night. And it was always in a foreign place. So for example, uh, there was another time we were on a trip. We were in Lake Tahoe, California. And I started having one of these night terrors. 
And um, in the middle of this hotel, this room that we were in, my dad was scrambling to get to me to calm me down. And in the darkness, in the chaos of the darkness, he was stumbling and fumbling and he ended up breaking his toe trying to get to me because it's chaotic in the darkness. There's, there's, you can't see, there's no, there's no way to find your footing. And when there's terror and there's fear gripping us in the darkness, it expounds the situation, expands and expounds on that situation even more. So I think that's a metaphor for these dark days that we've been in. We've been in some pretty dark days here recently, uh, as we all know. And we know that life is chaotic in the darkness. We really struggle, we really fear when it feels like darkness and uncertainty is pressing in around us. We feel that we've been gripped, some of us, by terror in the night. And so what we do is we find ourselves uh, crying out, our hearts crying out for rescue in the darkness of the night. We find ourselves searching, searching all around as we stumble through the darkness. We, we're searching for light, some little glimmer, some little ray of light that is piercing the darkness that we can fix on and say, okay, there's hope there. And as we search for the light, what we're really trying to express is we're, we're searching for truth, but not just any truth. We're searching for hopeful truth, truth that just pierces the darkness, the light that rescues us, that invades the darkness for us. That's the truth we're clamoring for. And that's the truth that some of us have been searching for perhaps more than ever given the darkness of the days that we've been in here recently. So where do we find that? I wanna take you to the word of God and I wanna just read to you the classic passage of the resurrection of Jesus and present to you this morning that it's the resurrection of Jesus that is the light, the truth that we so desperately need in the darkness. Listen to these words from Mark chapter 16, verses one through eight. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb and for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Friends, I want you to hear a certain truth this morning. The resurrection of Jesus is the supernova of life for all mankind. He is the light, not just him as we'll talk about here in a moment, but it's this one event in human history. It's this one occurrence of the resurrection over death, which is the pinnacle of darkness. 
The victory, if you will, of the darkness, of spiritual darkness is death. And in this one event, this one resurrection, the victory of death is defeated. And the supernova of light that explodes in the hearts of all who believe upon Jesus floods the darkness in any circumstance that we may face. The resurrection of Jesus is the most critical truth that you and I can latch onto today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of our lives. You know, this theme of, of darkness and light is not something that I'm just kind of trying to use here as a, as a little analogy to, to talk about Jesus and the resurrection. It's the theme, it's one of the main themes throughout the Bible. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning, you're only three verses into the Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse three, when, when God begins creation, when he begins to create all those years ago, whenever that was, and this is what he says. He says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated, listen to this, he separated the light from the darkness. Now, this is a physical reality that he is bringing to fruition from the very first day of creation. And the very first thing that he creates, when God Almighty and his eternity past decides, I'm going to create for my glory, the very first thing that he creates is light to pierce the darkness. And the way that that even comes to fruition for human eyes to behold is that there's a separation that takes place between darkness and light a physical reality on the first day of creation that would serve as a spiritual foreshadowing for what was soon to come. Because it would only be shortly thereafter, after God had finished creation and after the pinnacle of his creation had been, had been made, man and woman, as he created Adam from the dust of the earth and he creates woman from the rib of Adam and he creates both in his image the crown jewel of his creation. And he creates man and woman to have relationship with him in perfect unity and perfect communion with the God of the universe, sharing in his glory, sharing in his holiness and his grandeur and his perfection. But even if you haven't been in or around church much in your life, you probably have heard enough over the years to know what happens in the story of human history where according to Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve decide to choose their own glory, to make their own light, if you will. And so there on day one of creation where God had separated light from darkness, now there's another separation that has to take place. As man and woman choose their own glory instead of God's glory, as they choose their own will instead of God's will, as they choose to define life in the best way that they can, according to what they think is right and good, sin enters the world. And so the light that had so permeated the perfection, the, the unity that man and woman had had with God was suddenly ruined. It was broken because Adam and Eve rebelled against the light of God most high and brought mankind into the darkness of sin. And here's what happens for the rest of the Old Testament, for the rest of the story of God until Jesus comes, uh, mankind is floundering in the darkness of sin. Time and time again, we show that we have no ability 
to get ourselves out of the dark. And God and his incredible grace would continue over and over again to his people, the Israelites, and through Israel to the world, to the nations at large, he would, he would have these rays of light to pierce the darkness that we're living in. The spiritual darkness that was so ominous over us and still is to this day, God would pierce through. And even times when he would reveal himself to his people, to Abraham, to Moses, to various ones throughout the scriptures, Elijah, even as we looked at a few weeks ago, he would often present himself in light. If you remember how he led the, uh, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he would lead them in a pillar of fire. This fire, this light that would pierce through the dark. So God would show himself, but he kept pointing to this light that would come. In fact, in Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, and Matthew quotes this in Matthew four sixteen. But this prophecy of this one who would come says this, it says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. The shadow of death, that is what the darkness of sin ultimately brings. It brings death to all mankind, not just physical death, although that was what sin ushered in, but spiritual eternal death separation from the Father, separation from glory, separation from eternal unity with the very one who created us to be in communion with him. And the Bible doesn't mince words. When the Bible speaks of that darkness that we are all entering into because of our sin, it's scary. Jesus even said, he said that there will be this place who those who don't believe upon him will be cast into. And he, and he describes it like this. He says, and that place is a place of utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if that were all that the Bible told us, then there is no good news. There is no joy. Death rules the day. Darkness wins. But the scriptures give us something in the New Testament. The one that Isaiah 9, 2 was pointing to, the light that would dawn to those who had been living in darkness and in death. He would indeed come. And he would come and he would come defining and presenting himself is the very light of the world. John, one of his apostles wrote, he wrote a gospel account of the life of Jesus. And right off the bat, in the very first chapter of his book, of his gospel, in verses four and five, he says this, he says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then later in John chapter eight, Jesus stands up in the middle of the Feast of Booths when they're celebrating light and how God had led, his, had led his people in the darkness during the days of the Exodus when he had led them by a pillar of fire. And they're celebrating that and they're remembering that. And Jesus in that context stands up and he says this, he says, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. And then he says, a little later on, recorded for us in John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as light. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
when we search and when we clamor and when we, we just long so deeply to be rescued from the darkness, the ominous darkness closing in around us, whether it be made real for us in the midst of something like a pandemic, but it's always there. He's the light. He's the one, the one true light who drives away the darkness. Through belief in him and through belief in him alone, we get to walk in his light. So as we think about Jesus as the light of the world, we also have to think about if that's true of him, then what does that mean for us if we believe upon him? It, it certainly means uh, victory over the darkness. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but it means that we're invited into his light to walk with him in the light. Listen to the words of scripture. I'm just reading a lot of scripture for us because I want the scripture to speak to you. The living word of God. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. That's Satan. He's blinded us to where we can't see Jesus and all of his light and all of his glory. But listen to this, uh, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But listen to verse six, for God who said, drawing us back to Genesis 1-3, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give, listen, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the very same God who spoke light into being at creation all the way back at the very beginning and separated light from dark physically, he's now doing it in our hearts spiritually. He's separating light from dark. He's drawing us out of the darkness in which we've been in from the moment that we were born. And he's inviting us into the light of the glory that is only found in the face of Jesus Christ, in the presence of Jesus Christ, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to scripture as well in Ephesians 5, 8. It says, for at one time you were darkness. Notice the words there, not you were in darkness, you were darkness. That's who we are because of our sin. But now, those of you who believe in Jesus, you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We've been invited to walk with him, to be in relationship with him in his light. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The darkness that sin brought is now lifted away through the light and the forgiveness and the redemption of Jesus. And if that weren't good news, good news enough, it gets better because he's redeemed us from the darkness in terms of our eternal destination. And even in, turn, in terms of our experience in life now, we get to walk in the light now, but we still battle the darkness. We still battle sin. We still battle the effects of sin as we see so evident in our world today. But there will be a day there is a day coming when Jesus, the bright morning star, will dawn in all of his fullness and glory and every ounce, every smidgen of darkness that might be around will be gone and gone forever. Because Jesus promised to come back. And that same book in the Old Testament, that same prophet predicted this as well. He's, Isaiah says in chapter 60, 19 and 20, he says, the sun shall be no more 
the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. And then listen to how the Bible ends. The very end of the whole thing is John, the apostle John gets this vision from the Lord and he writes it all down. And it's a a vision of what's gonna be true when Christ returns and we're all with him in glory. And at the very end of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, John writes this in the last chapter of of the Bible. He says this, no longer will there be any, anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and listen, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And in the very last words of Jesus, some of the very last words recorded of Jesus, this is what he says. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star. He's gonna return, he's gonna come back. And the lightness that we taste, the light that we taste now, we will taste in full on that day. We will experience all the glorious light in his presence for all of eternity. And heaven is a place of light. The new heavens and the new earth is a place of the glory of God where he provides all the light for all of eternity. And hell is a place of darkness, eternal separation from God. So why would I say, why would I say that the resurrection is what we need to, the truth of the resurrection is what we need to hold fast to today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of our lives. Why why is the resurrection so significant? Here's why. Because the penalty of sin The penalty of sin is death. As I mentioned earlier, the victory of darkness is death. I want to give you two reasons why the resurrection, this victory over death is so significant. First, because as I mentioned earlier, it's the resurrection of Jesus that becomes for us the supernova of light for us regardless of our circumstances. It doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic, if it's cancer, if it's the death of a loved one, if it doesn't matter what we are facing, the resurrection speaks a new word over us. The resurrection of Jesus says to us that death will not win, that darkness has already been defeated and the ramifications of darkness are still present among us, but the victory has been won through the glorious light of Jesus accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus and his resurrection. Don't miss this friends. If your faith is in Jesus, the Bible is very clear. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. His victory over death is our victory over death. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what he accomplished on our behalf. behalf. And we get to now walk in newness of life with him and expect the glorious light of eternity to come. The reason the resurrection is the most critical truth to latch onto today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives 
is yes, it's the supernova of light for us, for all mankind. But secondly, because it's the only truth, it's the only truth that draws us out of the chaos of the darkness and into the clarity of his light. Have you felt chaotic during these days? Have you felt the chaos of the world? I know I have. The only thing that draws us out of the chaos is not, is not that the pandemic has ended. Yeah, that would be good news. But then there's gonna be something else. There's gonna be some other effect of death, some other thing that grips us with terror in the night and causes, to, causes us to scream out for rescue. There's always something, some effect of darkness that's gonna be pushing in as ominously as we can imagine. There's always something. Jesus and his resurrection is the only light that brings clarity and not just for now, but for all of eternity. It draws us out of the chaos of the darkness. It's, it's a win-win situation for those who believe upon Jesus. I mean, think about it. If we live, we live in his light, walking as children of the light, combating the darkness on a daily basis and being his light to the world around us, taking his light into the darkness. What a privilege. If we die, <laughs> we awake in his light. We awake in his glory. All sadness is gone. All pain is no more. Darkness is no more because we're in his presence. Rescued ones, children of light. That's why the resurrection is so important. If there were no resurrection, if there were no victory over the penalty of darkness itself, sin itself, death, if there were no victory over that, then there would be no hope for us. There would be no light to find, no glimmer, no ray, nothing to set our hopes upon that had any lasting meaning. But Jesus has done it, friends. His light has pierced the darkness. The terrors of the night dissipate and the light of our resurrected Jesus. He is the light of the world. Do you know him? Do you long for something that could be true like this? Many who are watching this are perhaps realizing this very moment that you have lived your entire life in the grip of darkness and you feel the chaos. Would you come to Jesus? Would you believe upon him? And would you believe in this historical resurrection of the one true savior of the world, the light of the world. For others who've believed upon Christ, you've let the darkness win lately. You've let fear grip you. You've let anxiety win the day. Would you rest in Jesus, the light of the world, the resurrected glorious light who drowns away the darkness and who gives you and me, even in these days now, rest today, and for all, all of eternity. Let's run to him. Father, thank you. Thank you for the glory of the light of you that is only found in the face of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have lifted the veil for so many of us, the veil of the enemy that has blinded the minds of unbelievers, as 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us, but that you, O oh God, the same God who said, let there be light, who spoke light into creation, you have shown in our hearts that we may see the glory of God in the face of Jesus.
the light of the glory of God. Give us eyes to see your light and your glory, O Jesus, this, this day, this resurrection Sunday. Would you give us, by your grace, eyes of faith that we may see? We ask that in the matchless, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.